Welcome to episode 260 of the Winning Six podcast. I'm your host, Adam McGee. Joining me as usual, it's my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Hello there, Jordan. Hello. Have you caught All-Star Fever yet? There's a buzz in Buzz City. But that's okay, but what about you? I was asking about you, not about the people of Charlotte. Seems like you were deflecting there, away from me asking if you were excited for All Star Weekend. I have, I don't have a fever. Uh, maybe a cold, an All Star cold. I don't know. That really sounds negative now. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. I was, what about specific know. elements of All Star Weekend, such as Mark Lazarus' fourth appearance in the Celebrity All Star Game? Has that got you excited? I mean, that's the coup de gras. That's the cherry on that. No, that's not the cherry on. The All Star Game is the cherry on top. This is the main course. This is a three course. This is a piece of Little Italy coming to you. <laughs> okay, well, we'll get all of Jordan's detailed analysis on the matchups in the Celebrity All Star Game. You actually shortly. joke, but I <laughs> you joke, but I won't be doing that in some written form. That's I've already previewed the game in written form, so I can do some of that too. So maybe most of this is going to be at the Celebrity All-Star game. As it should. But I guess we'll also talk about, you know, Giannis and Chris being in the big game. Yeah. Yeah. Bud coaching that game. Darvin, Darvin Ham coaching the Rising Stars Challenge. Chris Middleton in the three-point shootout. We'll talk about that stuff, but mostly Mark Lazarus' fourth appearance in the NBA Celebrity All-Star game. On top of all the All-Star stuff, I mean, we're at All-Star break. It's It feels like every year it gets further and further away from the halfway mark of the season that it once kind of represented. We're quite a way past that, but it is kind of nominally a major milestone within the NBA season. The books retained the NBA's best record at that point, and in fact, they went into the break off the back of a particularly impressive and important win over the Indiana Pacers. So, on top of All-Star Talk, we will discuss the first half of the season, the first half plus, what we've seen from the book so far and what we're expecting to see between now and the end of the regular season, which for the books is 25 more games, I think. Um, it's going to fly in pretty quick, and then we'll be at the playoffs. Let's do the All-Star stuff first. I'm going to start, I know this might work against what you want, John. I'm going to start with some of the bigger things, because I don't know if it will be good for holding on to listeners if we start in chronological order and do half an hour on 
you know, celebrity all-star guy. What? <laughs> I'm joking. The all-star game itself. Team Giannis. Much discussed Team Giannis after his draft. Opened as major, major betting underdogs. There's a, oh yeah, I should have assumed. I haven't seen anything of it. It's, look, it's pretty lopsided. Are you buying into that? Are you buying into the fact that Giannis and Chris, Bud's coach team, that, you know, they're going to get just swept off the floor here? Or are they, in very Bucks fashion, the underdog that's set to just come along and destroy the greater powers of the NBA with rootless efficiency? Well, he certainly, we haven't talked about his team. Because we did the, that's right. It's been a week since he selected his team. It feels like did. much longer since he selected his yes. team. But we probably got sidetracked by, or no, that was the tra- after the trade deadline that night, right? Yeah, but we didn't talk about it. We no, we did the pub before that. Okay, so we oh. haven't actually discussed his team. So I guess we can start there, Jordan. What are your thoughts on Team Giannis? Um, <laughs> I guess this will peek into how I feel about Team Giannis and the betting unders. But um, he stayed true to his word of selecting first-time All-Stars. I mean, he's got Chris, D'Angelo, Vooch, Simmons. There's one more I'm missing, isn't there? Vooch, think Simmons. about it. There's a player that you're less keen on <laughs> who is on that team. First time All-Star? Oh, sorry. Sorry, that's a trick on true um, starters. Um, oh, no. He's got Vooch. He's got Simmons, Middleton, D'Angelo Russell. I thought there was one more. Yeah, no, that's, that's it. Hmm. The only first-year All-Star he doesn't have is Nikola Jokic. Wait, no, I thought he... No, he does have Jokic. He does have Jokic. I'm, I'm literally... I'm looking at... You know what they say? Don't trust Wikipedia, people. But I'm looking at... Wikipedia here and Jokic is on LeBron's team. No, never mind. I'm looking at Western Conference All Stars, oh, which of yeah. course is the list before they were picked. Yeah. So he does have Jokic. So yeah, he's got all of the first year guys, with the exception of Simmons, who he drafted and then traded. Oh yeah, that's right. That's what I missed him. So technically, there was four. Anyway, um. Yeah, he's. <laughs> I don't. He's. He stayed true to his strategy. There are six he's point big, underdogs at the moment. Six points. I yeah. thought it would have been a little bit more. That's quite a I lot. I guess. How do you? Game, how do you but... really evaluate a All Star game? I know you can evaluate a celebrity game, but we have to wait to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and obviously, pick Chris, first reserve. Uh. I think who cares about his team? His his performance in the All Star draft itself. I know this is a week after, so it doesn't have a specific. It, it's we lost are as luster. topical as ever. Yeah, this is again going back to never mind. Um, he did really well in the draft. He said, "LeBron, you're the king, but I'm coming for you." I see you. <laughs> he had a couple barbs, a couple quips. He did. He definitely adhered himself to like the section of the NBA public whose heads are under a rock when it comes to Giannis and the books, which (laughs) 
still a pretty wide, still a pretty wide number. Although he's in the big seat, he's making his picks. He's a leading vote getter. Um, I'm not entirely sure how much everyone knows beyond that. I think I think Team Yanis has got a. They're gonna blow them out. Look at these well, starting lineups. Look at these starting lineups. There's one player in the starting lineups, though. I mean, yeah. But other than that, Anna's team has three of the top four figures in the MVP race. I would say. James Harden is on Team LeBron, but then you've got Giannis, you've got Paul George, you've got Joel Embiid over here. Add to that group Steph Curry <laughs> and Kemba Walker. Um... <laughs> No, Kemba's good. He's at home, so he's that's they're all gonna let Kemba Walker go for like eighty. This is what happens. So that's also a really good pick because you know people are just gonna let Kemba Walker do what he wants to do, like Anthony Davis got in the game where Giannis could really have got All Star MVP, but then everyone's like, no, no, let's let Anthony Davis get it, as if you know, as if we haven't let Anthony Davis have enough. I will say this. Does Kawhi play in the game? You Does beat me to management? it. Yeah. You beat me to it. I mean... And the same thing with AD. There's a lot of stuff. What about... Is his shoulder... If Kawhi has hurt? to... Let's say, for example, Kawhi goes is and he watches... down in the dumps? If he watches the Saturday games? night events, Kawhi Leonard, if he has to, you know, leave his cryogenic chamber on a Saturday night to go and observe NBA All-Star Saturday... Will his frail body be able to carry him through to you know play on Sunday? I don't know. Kyrie, Kyrie's been battling injuries recently. Harden, I mean, if I'm Harden, I think there comes a point where this is my night off, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I play every other game like it's an all-star game. I, I get up that many shots because I have to. I'm taking this one off. LeBron? LeBron might be better in this than he's been for the Lakers recently because, you know, he'll have real teammates. KD, who knows how upset KD might be yeah. after Grow having up. to do a media huddle <laughs> and then go out and play in the All-Star game. Grow up. Here's my new series, The Boardroom. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, Russell Westbrook pretty good all-star player if you're going to build an all-star team. That is very true. I know a lot of people knock Russ for obvious reasons, but he he brings the heat. Nikola Jokic, I think, born for all-star games. I'm not going to comment like on Kyle Lowry or I feel like... Yeah. But D'Angelo Russell on a tear, I, I like the you know, let's draft as many first-year guys as possible. I think it makes sense. Like, what is LeBron's got? LaMarcus Aldridge. Do you, think, do you think the reason why Giannis picked first year guys is because he brought an intensity to his first appearance? Yeah, that's he was like, he, he was like that. the big, yeah. He so said he's that. kind he's, of mirroring different his hunger. Own, yeah. You haven't fallen into the habit of, oh, yeah, this is just a, this is not a big deal. We're all going to go out. If you get all the first year guys you together, you're good if you're a first time All Star. I would imagine so. I like I I would think you'd have a real hunger for that. So I, I think his team actually makes a lot of sense. 
I think I think this could be an upset, Jordan. Could Giannis win All-Star MVP? Mm. <clears throat> Do you think? Better question. Of course he could. Better question. Do you think he'd that it would appeal to him right now? And particularly with everything going on this season. Or is there something that maybe we're overlooking here? And it's that Bud will never let him do that because Bud's going to play him and Chris like 10 minutes and then sit them and be like, Kyle Lowry, you're up for 42 tonight. <laughs> Which, I mean, what is the point of getting the All-Star coach? Stevens do something like that. that. Stevens, <laughs> Stevens like capped Giannis's minutes at a certain point last year. Bud has a chance to control Joel Embiid's minutes for a night. I mean, it's a competitive sport, Jordan. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I mean, as long as Russell Westbrook is in the game, I, I he's undoubtedly the favorite for MVP every time, just because he doesn't pass. No, he doesn't. Or when he um, passes, he's gonna. Make sure it's an assist, and he's going to take everyone's <laughs> rebounds. <laughs> yeah, Stephen Adams is going to fly out of nowhere. What will he do without Stephen Adams? You think he he brings Stevie along? I mean, he might. No, Stephen Adams is probably Stephen Adams like, deserves to be here in his own right. So let's not make jokes true. about that. How do you think Chris Middleton is going to fare in his first All-Star game? I think the one advantage for Middleton here is I think he's going to get more minutes than he would if his coach wasn't Bud, in all seriousness. <laughs> I think um, I would. I really wouldn't be surprised if Giannis plays a pretty modest minute total like particularly for a captain. I think there is an advantage to Chris is getting the confidence boost of his first All-Star game, and then Bud and Co. are the coaches so they can make sure that he really gets like a full-on go at that experience. You know, if Middleton has 30 in the All-Star game, certainly not saying he will, but if he does that, that would be, you know, pretty helpful for his confidence and maybe his form in the months ahead. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is when maybe this is when the negotiations they've been having for a long time. This is the time where Bud's like just all of the mid range you want. <laughs> Take as many back down post moves as you want. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what he does. I mean, it's gonna be I don't know. I don't think it's gonna be that great. <laughs> to be honest. Why not? This you... game you go. It's really. I know we t- we're talking about it like, oh, this is gonna be fun, but it's still like, there. It's the competition has ramped up with the, the draft and after uh, last year's, especially after the Fergie performance. I mean, who 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 couldn't keep down their competitive juices? Um, but I don't know. Chris Middleton's game does not scream all star like you know end to end action like throw up these like you know early shots in the shot clock kind of stuff like exhibition thing it's more like you know if chris wants to throw up like a ton of trees he could just do that he could and he could make will them will he i don't know <laughs> i guess it depends how he does on throwing up trees the night before isn't that really 
That's really the crux of this here. He could be could be riding high on confidence. You know, one trophy in the bag already. Let's go get another one. Or we could have a repeat of the kind of events that, you know, we generally make a habit of trying to avoid talking about. And that is previous book performances on All-Star Saturday. Let's kind of let's seg to that now. Chris Middleton is in the three-point contest. Yes. He was in the three-point contest before. What? Yeah, it wasn't quite Giannis in the three-point contest. Don't, not, I don't know if you remember that one. Um, it wasn't that much better. It wasn't quite that, but it was not that good. Are you expecting improvement this time around? I, I mean... Once you've done it before, and you're not going to be nervous at that. There's also, he's an All-Star. So this isn't, like, his one chance to leave an impression on All-Star. He's going to be better, right? Tell me he's going to be better. Well, as the saying goes, there's nowhere to go but up. I think he had 13. This is before they added... They made, like, a recent tweak, didn't they? Where, like, there's points... I think there's more money balls now than there used to be. Or you can you had a full maybe that was the rack. first maybe that was the first year that they had it and he still didn't do well I can't remember but I would hope that he does <laughs> that's all to say yeah you're right it was 13 points which was not good um it took 20 to get through the first round on that occasion so <laughs> he wasn't close at all and. Yeah, he is a better shooter than that, so I really do hope. But we talked about it though. Like it's you have sixty seconds. There's it's a pressure cooker, and Middleton's kind of, he's a more of a rhythm shooter. Can that translate to the three point shootout? I don't know. Three point contest. I I keep calling it three point shooter, but it's three point contest. I'm just I'm looking now just out of curiosity to see, and there was an all money ball rack, and. He didn't do great on it. He picked his his money ball rack. Yeah, was, where, yeah. What spot? What spot? It wasn't either of the corners, which I feel like I, I Middleton doesn't get to the corners very often, but he's automatic from the corners. It was basically the I, left wing. I feel like his left wing is wing. an interesting one. I I was gonna say, yeah. That's I think not... actually he's. Definitely feels like an above average, at least in his confidence, from above the break, from the top of the arc. And then the corners, he's really good. But left wing was where he chose to have his money ball rack. So he went two of five on his money ball rack, which instantly is going to leave you in trouble. I'm looking at it. I'm going to look up this shot chart. This is the really detailed analysis. I know. This is what I want. This is what... You I know, hope Chris is doing this right now. He's sitting down and plotting out exactly where his money ball rack is. I assume this is really the you know top priority for the books coaching staff at All Star Weekend. Is you know we can't have this again, Chris. You can't embarrass the family like this. Yeah, that was under the Jason Kidd. Uh, don't embrace three pointers. He didn't get the the right respect and development and care that he needed to show out. Um. You want now I'm looking at it. Is it the left wing? Here, let's break it down. I mean, it wouldn't be that surprising, really, would it, if Chris Middleton actually knows his game better than we do? 
Yeah, that's that's probably true. His best spot is actually top of the key. Yeah, I think that. one for ninety four. The one thing with that though, they're rhythm three pointers in a game. They're stepping into at the top of the key. They're pull ups though. Do you think he wasn't a pull up? He no. wasn't a pull three pointer. Maybe now, maybe now they are. Yeah, I guess. Be a bold move. I don't know how often guys choose to have their. The left wing, left wing also, 41.2%, 97 attempts this year. His corners are actually pretty kind of blah, at at least from the left corner. The eye test is definitely not not as I would have thought then, or it's not even the eye test, what I imagine to be the the eye test. In other words, I'm just wrong on that one. Right Um, wing, 31% on 87 attempts this year. That's not good. No. Okay, so maybe it is going to be left wing again, or maybe you should just go all out, make a statement, show how brave you are, and go with the longest possible tree. If Brooke Lopez was in this, Jordan, what would he be doing? God, don't he'd be going. He'd be going me. top of the arc. Don't remind me. He'd be saying, "Where's the four point contest?" That's what he'd be saying. Why don't they do that? Why not at another event? Anyway. Forget it. You're you're not interested in that. <laughs> no, I don't know. You would be if Brooke play, was in it, right? I mean, that's that's the biggest disappointment of all. There should be two bucks. The one thing I want to say about this is we don't actually know that he wasn't asked and turned it down. Yeah. And that is the one thing with All-Star Weekend always. It is like it is the time where players can go on vacation. So if you are a former not, all-star, you're, you're in your 30s. You generally have injury problems throughout your career, but are enjoying your your best season in terms of team success, a really successful season individually, and you get a call. And it's like, oh, drag yourself down here to Charlotte and you can you know, go out and do the three-point contest on Saturday night in front of all the bright lights, or you can go Epcot, to your house. Epcot and you is can, calling me. Exactly. You can chill out with Mickey and Goofy. <laughs> And, you know, rest up, ice those feet, rest up that back, all that stuff. We don't actually know that he wasn't asked. Although, looking at the lineup, I would guess he wasn't asked. But we don't know for sure. So, yeah, it's hard to be definitive on that. I think Chris can make it out of the first round. Basically, because this is a lottery, and there's a chance that maybe he just is a little bit hotter than some of the others and makes the shots when he needs to. Is it top three that gets through? Yes. Four? Three? There's three rounds. There's only so. two rounds. There's only two rounds? Wait, let me look. No, that's wrong. I feel like I should really know this already, but... The three players with the top scores. Okay, three and then two for a final. I don't think he goes through. There's a lot of good three point shooters. I would say I'm going to go with Jordan. He is a good three point shooter. I'm not saying I'm not discounting that, but I think I there's like other ones that I fancy more in this kind of setting. Once you know it's Seth Curry. It, what if you, if you say Seth Curry? Um, Seth or Steph? Set. Set. I'm trying. I'm trying to <laughs> I really know, I know, I know. distinguish I, it for you. I no. I don't think it's them. 
I think it's healed Lillard. <sighs> Joe Harris. Yeah, I like Joe Harris. I think that's top three. I I've always liked Buddy. Yeah, I'm not I'm not so keen on that pick, but Joe Harris is a good one. He's a really good everybody. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm just saying I don't think he's gonna win the three point contest. Well, which it is. The, I keep calling it a three point shootout, but it's now they've changed know, the name. I, yeah, they've, they've changed. changed the name to the three point contest. Which and it, oh, we also forgot. No, we didn't forget that. We're not doing <laughs> unless <laughs> unless the company who have become increasingly averse to Vels want to pay us to you know promote it. They could pay the NBA all they want. We didn't get a cut, so it's a three point contest or maybe shootout. Um. Buddy Heal, by the way, 44.9% from three and 7.6 attempts. This is not a game in every way. It's much more serious. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a contest. It's not a game. Uh, I don't think it's going to go quite the same way. I'm not I mean, you've just, you're picking Buddy Heal over Steph Curry. He took off last year. I think that, uh, I think that's a big problem. Yeah, he's, He's technically in front of his hometown, so you know. Some people crumble under the pressure of playing under the lights. Yeah, no, <laughs> notable choker, Steph Curry. Uh, 2016 finals. <clears throat> his fault. Kevin Love shut down government style. I've never heard that one spun as you know that was Steph's fault. I'm not saying it was Steph's I've fault. Never, that was uh, well. Kevin Love got so much praise for that that I've never heard it spun the other way in that. Probably got a point, Jordan, but um, I'd rather give credit. So I'm just going to refer to that as great play by Kevin Love. But I, I don't know about Steph. It was really good play, but Steph didn't do well. We're not going to really talk about the Rising Stars other than I don't even know which team he's coaching, but you know, Team Books, Team Darvin Ham, they're going to win, right? I can look this up. You don't need to. I mean, I'm not looking Actually, for... Actually, he's not even the coach. It's I forgot. It's Dirk. Dirk is coaching... I mean, come on. Come on. I, I don't... You know who's coaching... Kyrie, isn't it? Yeah. You know who he'll say? <laughs> I was just about to like, reiterate some crappy... So which... You gotta embrace it. Embrace the love. Ah. Which team's getting the book's assistance? Oh, I don't know. Uh, is it Dirk? I don't know. Let's I ho- hope it's Dirk. Yeah, I was literally just about to say the same thing. I think it's going to be Dirk. Which I hope so on my own personal basis because, you know, I'm going to be rooting for Team World. <laughs> this is... I can't be Team USA on this. I'm Team World. So, you know, for all of the Irish players on Team World, I'm going to be Supporting them. I hope that's Stervenham's team. What how did Kyrie get to what was was Dwayne Wade just like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I don't get that either. Kyrie. Oh my god, Kyrie's coaching Jason Tatum. <laughs> that, oh, is, that is yeah. Maybe that uh, is maybe that is the <laughs> what I need to further disrupt the Celtics. Sure, I mean it's more chaos. 
Yeah, that could certainly work nicely. Is he? He's also coaching Kevin Knox. Lonzo Ball might not have to worry about that one. Kevin Knox, future teammates. That's what I'm saying. Mm. It's in play. Okay, Jordan. The main event. Celebrity All-Star Game. Let's go. Is this going to be a bounce back year? It for Brooks Cohen or Mark Lazary? Because, look, we've got to got to say, the trend, it was all trending upward, and then last year was not good. We can put it down to, you know, maybe it was the coaching. I can't remember who coached him last year. Um, but let's blame the coaching. In 2016, he made his debut, scored eight points, and got two rebounds. The following year, nine points and two rebounds. Last year, three points and two rebounds. We're going up, right? It's not It's not going to be less than three points. Um... <laughs> I feel like he didn't. He didn't play that much last year. No, he didn't. He definitely didn't. You gotta. He's gotta set in a rhythm. It's disappointing. Rachel Nichols was the ESPN host. The host of the Jump was the coach of Lazarus' team. Rachel team Nichols Lakers. Let him down. I I remember it was Team Lakers. I remember him and Justin Bieber becoming close friends, close personal team friends. Tampering. Team Tampering. That's what it was. Um. I think he's going to be okay without Justin Bieber as a teammate this year. Mostly because he's got Ray Allen. Weird thing with this, Jordan, before we get into, of course, <laughs> being Ray Allen matters, there isn't an NBA player on the other team. Wait, what? There's no NBA player on the other team. Both teams have a WNBA player. The only team with a former NBA player, an NBA legend as such, is last He also, team. you know, he also he also has last year's All-Star MVP, All-Star Celebrity MVP in Quavo. He from sure Migos. does. He sure does. Mm. Which mm. I mean, the only downside to that is is he gonna take touches away from Lazary? To me, though, it seems kind of like if one team has Ray Allen and the other doesn't have an NBA. Legend, that's gonna be a <laughs> that's gonna be a pretty big advantage. Ray Allen and the MVP from last year's game. I mean, and Mark Lazary. We we'll, we shall see. More importantly, right? I wrote about this when we did Ray Allen Week, which was just before he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. By the way, sorry. Go on. Dr. Oz is on the other team. I, I saw that. I don't know who that is, but I saw... There was you don't know who Dr. Oz is? I'm going to be really honest, Jordan, and the people... The number of people I know in this game is... Well, that's this is the case every well, year. Will we go through it? I mean, I know... I know Ray Allen. <laughs> I know Mark Lazary. I know Quavo. I know Ronnie 2K. I know Hassan Minaj. I know Aja Wilson. I know JB Smoove. Mike Coulter. That is it. Mm. I have no idea who famous losses or 
Doctor Oz, our social media influencer is that is that one of the influencers that promoted Fire Festival? I don't know. Why don't they get that guy in the game? Might be because he's in jail. Is that maybe why? But anyway, yeah. So there's a lot of people I don't know in the game, but it's about the people we do know. That's what really matters. And as I did write back in, what I mean, September, I guess. Is that when they do Hall of Fame induction? Maybe even August? Um, But we had a Ray Allen themed week. There's lots of stuff there. If you want to read Ray Allen book stuff, you go on behindthebookpass.com, you'd find it by searching his name. But one of the things I wrote about is it was time for, you know, that team and Ray Allen in particular to kind of assume I was going to say a more central place, but that wouldn't even be accurate. Just a place in the, you know, book celebration of their history, because that group is kind of notably absent. And maybe in part, it's because Alan, arguably the most significant player of that group, I'm putting arguably for a couple of people there. Um, his relationship with the books hasn't been that good because of the way it all ended. He spoke very positively about the books in his Hall of Fame speech. He spoke positively about Milwaukee. Good chance the books are going to win a playoff series this year. Maybe the books are going to get to a conference finals. Seems like the time to get Ray Allen back in the fold. Is this the momentous event that's going to lead to Ray Allen sitting courtside in game one of the finals when the Warriors come to Pfizer form? It very well could be. They finally get a chance. Or I'm sorry. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But the, the demons that need to be exercised, that would be a nice wrinkle. They need like some like pre-game kind of, you know how like the Sixers have like ring the bell? They need a ritual. The books do. They need a pre-game ritual. What would that be for like to bring back like a, a legend? A, a Ray Allen, if you will. An Irvin Johnson. A Carlos Delfino. A... Hey, bring them out dresses the phones. <laughs> how about that? Hmm. You're not fatal that one? No. <laughs> um I don't know. I don't know. You should have a better sense of this than me as to what would be the appropriate pregame yeah, ritual. Something... That that's something that has to get uh workshopped. But yes, this could be who knows, maybe Lazarus gives him a nice behind the back pass, set him up for a three, recreates the shot that one or it didn't win, sorry, but it kept Miami going in game game six of the 2013 finals. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I I hope they do talk, and I hope that Ray Allen gets persuaded to make a. I mean, he doesn't have to stay more than a day. He doesn't have to stay more than a few hours. That he makes a trip, comes, takes in a books game at the shiny new arena, the shiny new team. And hopefully, maybe maybe he placed some kind of jinx on the books when he left Jordan. How about that? How about we need Ray Allen to come to lift the curse that he placed on the team? I think that was the Bradley Center, as I've said. The that ancient burial ground. We've talked about that actually enough this season that maybe, you know, for all the credit we give Giannis and Bud, and maybe it's just, you know. Change the scenery. Maybe it's just leveling that, the Bradley Center. That doomed place. I mean, that's. I was gonna make a tweet or make a tweet. I was gonna write a tweet about 
it's a very funny visual metaphor for this year tearing down the Bradley Center and, and equating that to never the never trust the Bucks maxim that every Bucks fan had. Tear it down, move past it, embrace. Buy the I gotta say it. Buy the ticket, take the ride. I think that's enough for All Star. Um, we've I think this is literally as much as you and I could can kind yeah. of squeeze out of All Star. It's not, not the juice has been picked and I love All Star Saturday. I love All Star Saturday, and mm-hmm. if, if the books had more participants than that, I mean. Why is Brooke Lopez not in the dunk contest? So I want to know. You could dunk over Robin. I don't know if that would go well, but I sure <laughs> would tune in to watch him try. But alas, that's not on the schedule this weekend. So let's talk about the books more generally. 57 games played, a record of 43 and 14. The books own. Not quite the best home record in the NBA, but the second best. Uh, Second best, third best. They're right in that range. The Nuggets are the best home team in the league. The Raptors are pretty similar to the Books. Books are right there. The Books do own, and this is interesting considering some of the conversations that were going on about the Books just about a month ago before their schedule really changed. They own the best best road record in the NBA belongs to the Milwaukee Books, 20 and 9. They are very close to a 10-point differential. What was the last time they lost the road? Was it that Wizards game without Giannis? The Thunder game, was it? Oh, yeah, that's that was sooner. Yeah, you're right. Um, But, yeah, they're on a six-game winning streak on the road. Right? I think so. Anyway, we don't need to get sidetracked into those details. They are exceptionally good. They lead the NBA in net rating, 9.6 points better than their opponents per 100 possessions. They own the NBA's best defensive record, allowing just 103.5 points per 100 possessions. And they are fourth in offensive rating at 113 points per 100 possessions. I don't need to ask you, you know, what do you make of the book season so far, Jordan? Has the book season so far been good? But I will ask you, how much have they exceeded expectations in what they've done up to the All-Star break? For you, personally, this is a this is a Jordan Tresky question. Um, I mean, <laughs> all of them? <laughs> I think I was, in, we talked about it before, but I was in agreement that it would kind of be, I guess this is kind of unfolded the way it is, where it would be kind of, not slow moving, but it would be, the first month or two would be kind of table setting and then everything would come into place as the year is going on, which if you look at how the season unfolded, they had that kind of rough patch where they went like 500 for what you're saying is if you took out the winning streak to start the season, (laughs) the first month is pretty rough. Is that what you're saying? Uh, Well, (laughs) it was middling, but now, um, yeah, ever since DJ Wilson became a rotation player, they uh <laughs> they're, they're full steam ahead, boys. But no, I I mean it's it's they're they have forty three wins. They're coming in on their over under. 
what was their over under before the year? 48, 47? I feel like it was 47.5. And we both were like, that's, they're going to surpass that. Yeah. It wouldn't, that's saying it was going to be 60 games would be possible. We both thought they were getting in the 50s anyway, though. So it was like, yeah, they're comfortably at least a couple of the games over that. Um, My next question is. When the season is all said and done, are we going to say the books were better before the All-Star break or after the All-Star break? Do you think it's possible for the books to keep going at this pace or to get better over the remainder of the regular season and into the playoffs? Or is there a possibility that this team has peaked for this season? I mean, they're if you look at like the net rating point differential, all that stuff and their schedule, I don't know what the strength of schedule is after the second half or after the all-star break, but I assume it's not that high. Stay for like the last, like closing stretch of the year. Basically like that. The April is pretty stiff. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know what, how, it's hard to, to tell because they rank 22nd in the NBA in strength of schedule. So I would guess that is about to get tougher. And I mean, logically they have another West coast road trip coming up almost immediately after the, the break. They have uh, Lakers, jazz Suns, Clippers, Clippers. Yeah. They already played them in. Oh, they did. They did. You're right. Yeah. That was a loss. I mean, still, that is a that is a tough trip. Generally, historically, they did a great job on their West Coast trip with tougher opposition earlier in the year, but that's difficult. They have two games against the Sixers. They have the Celtics to play. One more game with the Pacers. I mean, they do, they do have games to play. You know, there are pretty notable teams that they still have to play at least once some cases twice yeah i mean i think my this is not deflating answer but i think the fact that they're they've all their you know the net rating point differential all this stuff like there's it's probably chances are it would take down a bit just because they're so high already and if you're playing tougher teams i don't know i i really don't know this is the the big question because it obviously leads into just how formidable the, uh, will they be come playoff time, um, and we're not even factoring in their trade deadline acquisition of Miritas. We haven't seen him, which is probably the right thing to do considering his calf injuries. Just keep him until after the All Star break. But it's also going to make them better. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. There's there's no way it's going to make them worse <laughs> because they haven't really subtracted anything. So it's it's just not gonna hurt them. If Miritich for some reason you know wasn't playing well, they've played very well without him. <laughs> like it, it's not essential. That's the thing is that's really a bonus. I mean, the other thing on that in terms of, I was less talking about say their net rating and their point differential because down the stretch you don't know what they're gonna do in terms of will they rest players or also what they'll want to do in terms of where they finish. I mean. Let's say the Pacers hold on and stay pretty strong, which they look like they could do. 
I and think it, that will be the case. Like they've a, they've only a one game lead over the Celtics and 76ers. I think that it is tough for the difference in talent those two teams have with the Pacers right now. But if they if they manage to hold on for the three seed, you're then looking the second round matchup for the first seed being Celtics or Sixers, as opposed to you know, getting something a little easier. I, I, maybe it's up for debate if it's easier. I know how you feel about the Pacers, and I mean What's the Bucks had a, an impressive oh, win on on Wednesday, but they had to work really hard for it. I don't know, but that's that's definitely something I could see becoming a conversation and a consideration. Let's say the Bucks and Raptors remain like kind of neck and neck, and there's a prospect of well, who do you want to play in round two? Well, this is, the, I mean, the fact that it's still well, so... I, I, it's not, sorry to interrupt, but it's not It's not really up for debate, right? Because if you have a choice between you play Pacers or Nets in round two or Celtics or Sixers, you choose Pacers or Nets. It, it's a, it would be irrational not to. That's not, that's not saying that if you get the Pacers, you won't have a tough series, but you kind of expect a tough series in the conference semifinals. But if it's Pacers or Nets, the other thing is, I mean, there's no reason why. If the Nets would probably be pretty happy with getting the Pacers for as good and as tough as the Pacers are, because if you want to have a chance at an upset, maybe that's it. But that is something that could become a factor if the Bucks and Raptors stay really close and they are separated from the pack. It could be a game of, okay, do we really want the one seed or do we want to? basically avoid the other three consensus best teams in the East until the conference finals, because that's a conversation that could be real. It's dependent on the pace. It's, it's not even just the East shakeout. If you have the one seed. They have a better record than Golden State right now. Marginally, marginally. It's still a better record. May not be, though, by the end of the season, even if they are the one seed. Uh, but they still have the advantage. That's that's key. I I just I I, I mean, really that, don't that know is a very much... different game though, right? Because part of that, and I mean it, that might be the least Jordan Tresky comment you've ever made. Because I'm just saying they have uh, a chance that to a, let's secure home court so we can beat the Warriors. You know, at home. I'm not saying beat the Warriors. I'm saying have home court. That's the over thinking everything. of it is get let's get home court. That's our best chance to beat the Warriors it's in the final. Oe. But you're to be thinking of your best chance to you know hold home court for the finals. Kind of looks past the fact that you would have to get through, say, a second round against Boston. Well, you want Philly. Ray Allen wearing that Fonzie jacket before the game one of the finals? Who doesn't and want that? Maybe Ray Allen. A, but... His thumbs are pointing this way. See, you've come around on that. That's not Ray. <laughs> Happy Rays. Mm, now you've got. There we go. We're we're here. We've we've okay. We've come back around on that idea. Mm-hmm. All of that aside, though, I mean, that's where I got into that. Is I don't think net rating or their point differential. I'm not necessarily talking about them remaining at the same level as much as I am the book's ability to play to the level they've played over their first 57 games. I feel like there is another gear in this team. 
I don't think this is them at top gear. At least as a group. That may mean that there are other guys who can give more, but whether they ever give more, you know, that's what makes them the players they are. Middleton would be one. Uh, look, Bledsoe will be a question until he gets to the playoffs and he actually does it. But I think they could have another gear. And they're... Even though there's close games, there hasn't been that many. Like... I think this week was a big deal, the way they came through against the Bulls and against the Pacers in two games that they just haven't been in positions like that very often. No. And to actually be able to do that, as well as be able to blow teams out, that's pretty encouraging because you're going to have to win some close games in the playoffs. I kind of think they can get better. It's just whether... There's just always the challenge of, okay, when do you push? When do you find that next level? How long can you maintain it for? Should you be looking to do it? Should you be holding back for the playoffs? If you hold back, do you lose your rhythm? I mean, these are all very good problems to have and very different problems for the books to have down the stretch than they've had. I mean, I, I can't even think of the year off the top of my head because it wasn't Last year we were debating if they can win enough to keep their pick and have a... and advantageous playoff matchup and now we're talking about home court over everything <laughs> so it's it's we don't even have to look that long let's gauge your optimism then 25 games remaining how many do you expect the books to win i think they get 60 I'm exactly money. 60 yep so you think they're gonna go 17 and 8? That's not very good. They got harder teams. They have one, they have one Oklahoma City game, two Sixers, two Celtics or one Celtics? Two. One. One. The final they only play Celtics three times this year. Final game of their season series with the Celtics is the first game back after All Star. Tiebreaker. One more pacer. One more Pacer game, two more with the Sixers. There's going to be one game that they drop that everybody's going to be frustrated about. Of course. And everyone shouldn't be frustrated about it. I don't I don't even want to get like caught in those. They're going to lose that Jazz game. That's a house of horrors. No, I do have a take on this, right? So the Bucks haven't lost twice to the same team yet. Mm-hmm. I know when that run comes to an end. When they play the Phoenix Suns. Give me a break. Come that's going to be... No, that's, no. that's just how these weird things work. It'll be like they haven't lost twice to any team all season. And then it will be some ridiculous team that will actually manage to do it. They play Phoenix. Okay, they have a day off in between, but it's the last game of a five-game trip with four of those out west and the Jazz as the game before it. They're going to lose to the Suns. And lose twice to the Suns on the season. I can see it coming. No, they have another Rockets game. Yeah, but they beat the Rockets. You're not talking about the two games against the team. You're talking about just general losses. Um, I don't think they're just going to win 60 games. Oh, no. I'm going 62. 19 and 6. Franchise re- no, that would be a franchise record. 
No, 66, Six. yeah. Um, <laughs> which would be pretty good, you know? Still but, not first. But leaving room for improvement. That's what you want to do. You're not you first, you're last. <laughs> we're leaving room for like 73 wins next year. 74. Let's get on to the mailbag. The first question from Adam G. Olson. Is Christian Wood clearly DMPing unless someone gets hurt? Will he be able to bring him back next year? And um, he's under contract for next year. Option, right? Yeah, so if they want him back next year, he's back. He may not be thrilled with that if he doesn't play between now and then, but then I don't know if he wasn't, and he said, no, I want out of this situation. Well, you might not get back into the NBA. That option, though, is likely not to get picked up purely because the books are going to have bigger fish to fry and won't want Christian Wood's salary sitting on the books if he hasn't really done anything when they're doing those other things, right? You, I'm right in saying that. When they, when they go into making their other deals, are they going to be holding on to Christian Wood? Hmm... Let's. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see what happens. I mean, it's it's a really cheap deal, so it's the kind of deal that they may need to fill out the roster. But it's not like if you wave Christian Wood on July third, someone's coming in and being like Christian Wood, three years, twelve million, and he's gone. You can probably just get him again later if you want him. Um, the first part of that question, Dean Ping, unless someone gets hurt, I say yes. Yeah, he's not playing. And rightly he's fourth so. Center rightly so. Or, yeah, fourth center. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if he thought. I mean, technically, yeah. but with, with other players who could play center. Giannis, Ersan, Nikolic, or Nikolic. Nikolic. Miritich is going to play. Miritich, DJ, and you didn't even mention DJ. Brooke. So that's five before him. He's probably sixth choice center. Like he he is really. He's very much unnecessary right now, unless they still see something where they think there's a big step coming down the line that he's worth. This is is always going to. This is my expectation, though. I I always thought, yeah. They don't need. We said it before when, you know, they don't need him. Because they're already really well, good. they need him a lot less now than they even did at the time. Because DJ is being able to give minutes, and they now have Miritich. So, from at MK in Houston, after seeing Ursan's bump in productivity the last couple of games, what role do you see him playing going forward with the addition of Miritich? Who's going to lose more minutes, Ursan or DJ? DJ, DJ, one hundred percent. And Ursan has been really big in a couple of the books say last three, four games. So that's fair. And also, Bud closed out that Pacers game with something we're going to see a lot more of, and that is the big, big lineup. It is maybe the book's greatest competitive advantage and just going for a weird lineup. I mean, I don't know about that because they, it can go the other way where they can go really small and maybe break out Connington like we saw in that Hornets. It's not small, though. 
it's not small because the fact that Giannis is <laughs> it's a small ball center is pretty ludicrous on itself. But um, I know what you mean in terms of style, but I, I still think they're. I think their big lineup will be better than their small lineup. I think the potential defensively is greater with the small lineup, which just seems contradictory. It doesn't seem to make much sense. But I think the small lineup plays into some of their more interesting defensive skills more, where in a very weird way, the bigger the books go, the more deadly they could be offensively. Because you have size advantage over basically every player at every position on the floor, and you're going to have, with the exception of Giannis, like tons of guys who are dead eyes from tree. Yep. You got skill. We talked about it long before, uh, probably to open up the year. They have so much skills in the front court that the small ball advantage of having guys that are, you know, more versatile, does it, it doesn't, it's kind of, it, it, it negates itself because their best shooters are in their front court, really. I mean, if you're going more towards Sterling, DJ, if you want to make that a small ball, you know, kind of lineup, which it obviously is, uh, Planet Pat, like those those guys aren't, you know, uh, consistent players at this point. Like you can't really – that's a – it's hard to really peg them as being kind of – seeing what they can bring versus a, a Miritich or uh Lopez, even Ursan, even with his struggles. I mean, yeah, I, I think it's, it's certainly advantageous, especially if they meet Philly, because that's, you know, we, if you've listened to like the low post, everybody's, you know, mismatch all the size mismatches. They're not going to have that. If they're going to play big against uh front line of, Giannis at the three. It's kind of the opposite. Tobias Harris at the four against Giannis. That's not a mismatch. It's a well, no. it is a mismatch. Sorry, it is in the books. Four. Yeah. <laughs> like and and everything else can be very evenly matched. So yeah, they're gonna have problems there. Um, Philly, I think, if the books decide to play that way. From up more cowbell five twenty. How do you describe Giannis to those that still haven't seen him? So far, my best is like a mix of Sean Kemp, Russell Westbrook, Scotty Pippen, Young Shaq. I mean, first and foremost, the way you describe him is something along the lines of what you're doing here is and you have to use multiple players because he is pretty unique. I mean, other names you could put in there. I think I think Pippen and Shaq being in there in particular is going a long way towards getting there. I mean, you could include could include a young Grant Hill. Dr. Dr. J. A little bit of Tracy McGrady you could have in there. LeBron in plenty of ways, as we've discussed Mm -hmm. before. Like you're one, you're listing a lot of really, really great players to get to a, you know, this is what he plays like. Um, But there is a real mix. It's there's not just the one player. It's not even really just two players. If you gave me just two players, I think a mixture of Pippen and Young Shaq would be very close. About as good as you could probably do with just two players. But really, he's just Giannis. And if you haven't seen him yet, I mean... Tyva, do you like basketball? Do you like sports? If you haven't seen Giannis play? Really? I'm not even joking. If you've never 
if you're completely oblivious to what Yanis plays like, I think even at this point, casual sports fans all over the world oh, yeah. will at some point have come across a highlight video where they're like, oh, wow, look at what that guy did. May not know him by name, but they'll have, you know, seen what he can do. Um, from an MK Robert, national folk seem hesitant to buy into the books as true contenders. What do you think drives the doubt about the books as the top team in the East? More that they haven't won a playoff series in 18 years or the 60-win Hawks team? I mean, the 60-win Hawks team shouldn't drive any doubts because, one, they got to a conference finals. finals. Two, they only lost to LeBron. Three, they didn't have Giannis. So if this is like the 60-win Hawks with Giannis and without LeBron in their conference, uh, the Bucs are gone to the finals. (laughs) Like, not even close. If this is the 60-win Hawks with the extra things that are, you know, to their advantage now, the Bucs are NBA finalists. Um... I think you could list a lot of things here. First on the list would be there the books. Somewhat related to that, hashtag nobody watches the books. Still true. Um, There is the Brooke Lopez preoccupation that lots of people have, but again, makes you feel like, are they really watching this? Are they really, have they really got a sense? Are they looking at how the books play and the other options they now have? Um, that just doesn't worry me in the slightest. I mean, the Brook Lopez problem come to playoffs would be if Brook Lopez was hurt. That would be the Brook Lopez problem. Because any other issue is something that they do actually have alternative options for. So I don't see the Brook Lopez thing that there still seems to be quite a fixation on being an issue. The only thing is if you're supporting cast, which is one of the best in the NBA no-shows, and you get last year's Bledsoe, and you get Middleton in a slump, and Malcolm Brogdon doesn't do what he does, and Lopez can't hit trees. I mean, that's the problem. I think the doubt maybe comes from that, you know, the books don't have a typical second star, but in that discussion, even, it gets overlooked that their, you know, top star is probably, possibly better than any other player in the league. So what does that matter? <laughs> if you've got the best player, you don't need to have the second best player as well. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know. We'll, we'll obviously hear more about this as second half unfolds and we get closer. I mean, we're only pretty much six weeks away from... or seven weeks away from playoffs actually starting. So that conversation will <laughs> undoubtedly get... Uh, larger and larger, and be spoken on more. But I mean, there's just it's the no show. It's that or the Bledsoe playoff showing last year, especially six seven people's minds. Chris Middleton will always be, you know, viewed as the second option, or not maybe the most like you know he doesn't have the star appeal as the, a second option. He's obviously. the guy that nationally everyone will like freak out about how great he is if he has a good series. And if he's a bad series, it's straight away, you know, you can't you can't do any of this at Middleton. And like that's that happens from the same people multiple times a season in a national context. They love Middleton, then Middleton's not enough. Like, so that's all flavor of the month stuff. And on that front, the books are just the books are boring in terms of they aren't needlessly dramatic like all of these other teams. But I also I also think it's 
it serves maybe. it serves conversation better for all of these people to talk about Boston and Philly as if both of those teams may not just be out before the conference finals. I, I but I don't I I mean I don't really view it as that way. I think the the most recent low post with Dan Devine of the Ringer and Zach Lowe they hit it on the head is that Bucks have been what they are for the whole year, mm-hmm. and it's pretty easy to simplify. Like you know Giannis plus four shooters spacers, um, profit. <laughs> That's what it's been the whole year. It's been very organic and it hasn't changed. The Mirotic. That's obviously a high-profile addition, but it's not even close to what the Raptors, South or Raptors and Sixers did, and obviously the Celtics' chemistry issues and all that stuff. Like, there's just a lot more. It's there's a lot more going on with the other teams that needs to be talked about than the Bucks because it, winning is great, but it doesn't. If nothing, if it's the same thing over and over again, and that's just not going to be that kind of noteworthy because we it's what people expected. Long before. Yeah, and it's, it's worth noting Lowe has the books as his favorite in the East. He ranked them number one and he's ranking the four teams. And there are plenty of people who seem to have doubts for some reason or another, but I don't know. Maybe we are getting to the point where we should just pay attention to people who don't have those doubts, particularly when it's someone as prominent and widely agreed to be as knowledgeable as Zach Lowe. So that was certainly a positive development on the, you know, people doubting the books front. We'll see what happens. If they beat the Sixers in both of their upcoming meetings with them, even maybe one of them, if they beat the Celtics in the first game back, like if they take care of those teams in those games, there's just there will literally be no room left for doubts. The, the thing about the defense as well is if the defense is going to matter in the playoffs, the point that people make is, is instantly redundant because it's like they're going to get punished because they're going to give up trees in the playoffs. They give up trees in the regular season. They don't get punished because... No, they are exceptionally good in all the other ways, as again was discussed at length in that episode of the Low Post with Dan Devine. So, yeah, I, there's there isn't really good reason to doubt them at this point, but no team ever just gets unanimously, oh, you know, we're not going to doubt them. And I think when it's a smaller team like the Bucks, a traditionally smaller market team, team that hasn't been here for a long time team without multiple obvious superstars you're guaranteed to get that and it will probably continue all the way through um all the way through the regular season all the way through the playoffs and the books could still go and get to the finals or win it all and then who cares about that stuff from an mk robert again do you think the books will finish the season with the best record in the nba and look and lock up home court advantage for the entire playoffs i say yes I, I guess I my prediction. I don't know if you can there. say yes based on your prediction. Well, I'll throw my prediction away. Okay, this is how <laughs> this works. Care. I really don't care. Um, sure. <laughs> From at MK Robert again. Christian Wood has looked pretty lame in his garbage time minutes for the books and dominant for the herd. Is this his destiny in the league? I mean, his minutes have been so minimal with the books that I find it hard to say anything on them, but is his destiny that maybe every now and then he gets a chance to have some garbage time minutes, but more often than not, he's going to be feasting in the G League? I think so. Um, I think if the books do wave him this this summer, he should probably go overseas because he could make a lot of money doing what he's been doing in the G League in another major league. 
Christian Wood could be quite the player he, in Spain. I think he briefly went there and it didn't go well. There's a lot of things that seem to have changed with Christian Wood, though, over the last couple of years. I mean, he's still only 23. I think Christian Wood could be quite a force in Spain. And honestly, that might be the most realistic path for him to give himself a chance of a longer-term NBA opportunity, where he could go to a situation where he gets more minutes, and if he can thrive at a level where people are kind of like, oh, look at this guy playing real minutes and doing that against competition that, you know, is consensus good, well then, that might be a better route for him. I don't know, it's a tricky one. From at WI Guy 8, why isn't Giannis being talked about as a defensive player of the year guy? Leads the league in defensive efficiency among starters. Also, have you seen Harden's net rating? Not even the top 50. They are both really team stats, even when you look at them in an individual context. So, like, sure, does it boost someone's case if they are leading the league in defensive rating? Absolutely. When you are on the best team in the league defensively, though, that's not unexpected. It certainly points to you being the most important player on the best defensive team in the league. But I don't know if that does enough on the individual basis. He's been overlooked in this discussion in the past, possibly in years where he's been even better defensively. Mm. Possibly. I I haven't thought about that really kind of long and hard enough, but possible. And I mean Paul George is probably gonna win. It's this. a different it's a different way to to really kind of evaluate between Giannis and Paul George because Paul George is the stereotypical lockdown wing defender and he's having a fantastic season. I mean Bucks are number one in defensive efficiency. I think Thunder are three right now behind the Pacers. Mm-hmm. So it's not like that. I mean one to three is not that big of a difference. And Giannis is kind of he it's his is more hard to define because he's more he's not necessarily a lockdown guy in terms of play on the perimeter. He's more of he's he's well suited to play like a free safety. He's a lot of his best defensive plays come because he's playing as a help defender. That's his specialties. So I don't. Th- I think that kind of changes the discussion. And if we're being honest, I mean, he's the fact that he's an MVP candidate. He's either one A or one B in some people's minds. It's going to give an avenue for Paul George to to be looked at as the favorite because he's been so transcend transcendent in obviously in both on both floors, or both ends of the floor, but especially defensively. Well, I can get on board with that split that, you know, Yas takes MVP and Paul George takes Defensive Player of the Year. That worked for me. Yeah. Um, from Adam K. Robert, will the books break the Jennings curse and finally win a series in six or fewer? I think you'll find that's the Bradley Center curse. And <laughs> it's been it's been broken. It's been lifted off their shoulders. It's a good time. Ray Allen just has to wear that, here. that brown jacket. See, you're all Ray. in on this now. You're, yeah. it's, I've yeah. changed my tune. Good. From Mr. Bones 1987, uh, Mr. Bones wants us to talk about buyout market potential moves. <laughs> I've got bad news, Mr. Bones. It's a bag of bones, that's what it is. 
Mr. Bones. There will be some good players who will surprisingly become available over the next 10 days or so. Who? I said surprisingly. I don't know. It's it's something that happens. You will get some guys that you don't necessarily expect to be bought out. It will. Um, whether the books can get them, I don't know. The books don't have minutes to offer is the challenge of these guys. And if you're getting bought out, you are going to be a free agent in the summer and you want to go somewhere where you've got a chance to remind everyone how much you should be paid in the summer. It takes a certain kind of older ring-chasing player to want to come here and there isn't really that group right now. I think Robin Lopez might be the most likely. Um, And it's not logical for a lot of reasons, but if you can have him or have an open roster spot, you take Robin Lopez. See, even you can't argue with that. You were ready to argue, but... I don't know. If they can get a good player or have an open roster spot, the move has to be you know, take a good player. I just don't know if the opportunities are going to arise for them to even do that right now. It could be someone pretty underwhelming and won't be a knock on them as much as the situation. I think the top guys chose weirder teams. They wanted minutes, which is understandable. Yeah. From at MK, Robert again, has John Horst removed his sunglasses at any point this season? Or is he in a constant state of deal with it? Only Jordan can answer this question. Well, I would assume he is on the beaches of Cabo drinking some kind of uh, uh, alcoholic beverage through a coconut. Pretty sure he was in Charlotte, but okay. Um, (laughs) Wouldn't be doing a great job of, you know, GMing if All-Star Weekend is happening and he's in Cabo. Uh... Has he taken off the sunglasses? <laughs> I'm going to say he has. Just because, I mean, the the weather we've had the last few weeks, I mean, it's hard to take. It's Why would you have those? He would have snow glasses. Jordan's even taken his sunglasses off of late. So, I mean. Yes. And that genuinely, that was something that, you know, was an issue for once. It was like, Jordan, <laughs> will we ever see you without? What else classes? Now I just wear two eye patches. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> From John Dolza. In one of his pressers, Bud seemed to indicate that assistant coaches have been pushing for more use of switching on defense. Do you think we might start seeing it situationally earlier in games, or will it always be more of a last resort in fourth quarters? Papa Roach. This is my last resort. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. That didn't even make sense to me when you first said it, and then it set in. Um, I don't think it's a last resort. I think it's a secret weapon. And well, they, that's yeah. They're not going to go to it when glass they half don't, full, glass half empty. Well, when they don't need a secret weapon, because you know when you win with Plan A, you don't need it. And the longer you can hold it back, the better, because you're giving teams less of a chance to deal with it. So playoffs, I think we could see quite a lot of it, and I'd be. I'd be confident that it will cause opposing teams real difficulty. But we'll see. From John Dolza again. SI had an awesome piece on Middleton today and how drastic of a change he's gone through under Bud. Do you think he still has a bit of untapped upside in this system as he continues to grow comfortable? 
was a great piece. It was by Rob Mahoney, if I remember correctly. Um, you should all read it. I don't know about on top's upside. I think he will have better spells of play where he's in a hot streak, and in those streaks, he'll be better in the system. But he's, I mean, the Bucks could win 62, 63 games. So he's doing pretty well. He's doing what he needs to do. He's doing what the team needs him to do anyway, which is the the thing that, I mean, I think we'll say 60, 70% of journalists in the NBA have now, you know, filed a piece on Middleton sacrificing for the team. But they're doing it because it is kind of real. It is a thing. And hey, it's working. Creed. My sacrifice. <laughs> I just state all these crappy fans. From a profit. I will say, seriously, I will say, I think there is some untapped potential. It, not that it's, it hasn't been tapped, but I do think Milton Him playing actually, better will lead to better results, is really. Well, exactly. That's... But I think him acting as more of a facilitator would really open things more. We saw in the Pacers game with. His little the pick and roll tandem with Giannis. He's uh, the all bench lineups plus him. That's really worked as he, that's more of kind of the first option kind of stuff. But I do think there is some stuff that wrinkles that could be had or be made that um, kind of unleashes his playmaker, playmaker cash, cash playmaking, middle playmaker. <laughs> From at Profit Akumpo. If the books play the Warriors in the finals, how do you predict things would go? Not well. <laughs> I think they would go better than people think. Yeah, but you'd still lose. Yeah, but I think they might lose in six. Five. I think six. I think they could get two games. I don't know. I mean, losing six isn't as catchy as a podcast name, but they're, I wouldn't be particularly ashamed of losing in six in the finals. Would you, Jordan? I would not. That would be a pretty positive result, I think, for the season. Um, from our Cowboys space, DJ has been losing minutes. Will they all be gone when Miritich gets in? Not all of them. But he will be relying on the books playing particularly big, I think, to hold his share of minutes. And look, that will fluctuate. I don't think DJ is like going to go out of the rotation or that Ursan is like locked into his minutes. I think... DJ and Ursan's minutes were kind of seesaw back and forth. What we saw with the wings earlier in the year. Yeah. Um, how many wins did the Bucks finish the season with? It was also from Tanner. You know, we, we gave our predictions on that, although Jordan has already just... 85. 85. Thanks, Jordan. From at Aaron OC 11, what's the current betting line on NBA Finals? Bucks win and Giannis MVP? I don't know. We're not Las Vegas. We're, 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 we're not looking at the All Star game, buddy. <laughs> we looked at that earlier, but I mean, I don't know. Um, he has like dollar sign eye emojis with that. Not sure I'd put too much on the books winning the finals. <laughs> don't want to discourage it. It might win, but I'd just be a little bit careful. Last and but not least, via email, which by the way, you can if you listen, you're not on Twitter, you can always send us questions via email, winning six podcast at gmail.com. That's winning number six podcast at gmail.com. 
from Nick Huftel. Serious question. Okay, it's our serious face. Should John Horst win the Executive of the Year award if the season ended now? Should they rename it the Horst Award? And just for Jordan, if he won, would you have to say, Horst is a Horst, of course, of course? I mean, I, I will say that even <laughs> if he doesn't win. Should it be the Horst Award? I, I, do, I do think, what, what? Should it be the Horst Award? Well, that's going a little far. Another, give it a couple of years. Give it, yeah, you got to have to run back to back to back. I think I, I, I call me crazy, call me Homer, call me Simpson. I think he gets it. I don't understand. I mean, Brooke Lopez will get it. And if Miritich is even, you know, if he can contribute, adding Miritich to what he'd already done and the overhaul and getting Bud, he's going to get it. So, yeah. Robbie Kells wrote a great piece on Behind the Book Pass for us today about Bud's Coach of the Year case. Um, you read that, and Bud is going to win Coach of the Year. And Yanis is in great position for MVP. So, there's a real chance of a Bucks clean sweep. Which will not be something. Yep. All right. That is it for us for this week. Uh, we'll probably be back maybe before the Bucks resume play. Uh, if not, probably after the Celtics game or the first couple of games back. So keep an eye out if you've mailbag questions or you can send them whenever to winning6podcast at gmail.com. In the meantime, subscribe to Snapple Podcasts, follow us on SoundCloud, add us on Stitcher, Favorites, and tune in radio to make sure you never miss an episode of Winning Six. Also follow us on Twitter at Winning6Podcast. And we'll be back soon. Thanks as always for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.